Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is uh, Jim Marty reporting in from sunny Southern California. I have my partner up in nice and cold Chicago area, Larry Michigan. How you doing, Larry? Well, Jim, I was doing just fine until you reminded me how much colder it is here than where you're at right now. Well, it's been chilly here in L.A., you know, 50s. Uh, people are walking around in their booties and little ski jackets. And it's not, for me, being from Colorado, this feels just fine to me. But I say right now it's about 60. Yeah, they don't, they don't, know, what, they don't know what cold is out there. <laughs> right, right. But I'm very excited. I'm on my way to the forum. I'm in my lift ride right now, uh, getting out of the car here in a few minutes at the L.A. Forum, which I've never seen a show at. So I'm really looking forward to tonight's Dead & Company show. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place. The fabulous forum, you know, the Lakers played there forever. The Los Angeles Kings used to play there. Uh, they had many uh, a solid Grateful Dead show there over the years. It was always a very popular place. And I love how they kind of go back and revisit some of these, uh, you know, going back to these old uh, venues again and, you know, going back to this one. And it just brings back, you know, all the happy memories of people who saw the Dead out there who knows how many times or, you know, whatever great event they saw in the fabulous forum. And it's a perfect place to go see Dead & Company. Yes, Excellent. Uh, looking forward to it. I'll be uh, broadcasting part of the show and in the next few minutes from uh, Shakedown Street. So, uh, look at that. But the uh, cannabis news this week is that the uh, cultivation licenses were announced in Missouri. And um, there was over 500 applicants for 60 uh, licenses that were awarded. I'm happy to say one of our clients did get some of the licenses. So we'll have some work in 2020 in Missouri. Congratulations! Very exciting. Yes, they've been uh, uh, they've been doing the announcing of all of that. The list came out. I know everybody's been running over and checking it twice. And on this end, one of the things that I found a little bit surprising was that it looked like a lot of the big multi-state operators got shut out. Um, a couple of them from Chicago that have that have typically done well in other locations uh, did not get licenses down there. And I'm not sure if that was a conscious effort by Missouri to keep some of the big boys out or whether, you know, we, we had other people who just came up with better, uh, better applications, but either way, and not trying to just the big guys by any means, but I think it's kind of nice to have a program like that where, uh, you know, it, it's, it's more individuals and it's more people who are really trying to go out there and, and create something. And, you know, we'll see maybe a year from now, we'll all be wishing that they had some of the big boys there, but I think for right now for Missouri to get started, that's a great way. And of course, this is just cultivation, right? The, uh, processing and the dispensary licenses get announced in January, uh, one more towards the beginning. And I think dispensaries are more towards the end. Uh, so obviously there's still a lot more opportunities for people out there who have applied in Missouri, uh, to be able to get their licenses. Uh, I have uh, family and friends in Missouri and I can tell you, if you'll pardon the pun that it's quite the buzz down there right now. Uh, everybody's very, very excited about it. And, um, you know, people are all waiting to see, what it's going to be, how it's going to work. You know, this, this is Missouri, for God's sakes. You know, these people are like, oh, marijuana, okay. Um, but it is exciting, and that's great news about your client. Yes, and uh, it's, I'm fine with the large out-of-state operators not coming in. You know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there. We've seen the uh, disaster on the Canadian Stock Exchange this past six months. So, uh, yeah, big doesn't always mean better, and... For Missouri to start its program organically, I think also agree with you, Larry, that that's, that's a good thing. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, while all that's going down, uh, you know, we here in Chicago are busy enjoying our holidays by sitting at our desks and cranking out uh, 
applications. The, the state of Illinois did us no favor uh, by making the deadline January 2nd, because as we all know, people will expand out to whatever amount of time they have. So uh, I got to work Christmas Eve. I got to work Christmas Day. Uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are on tap as we uh, process all of these applications and get them on file. And the only thing I can complain about any of it is that it may cause me to miss uh, the Michigan Wolverines bowl game on uh, New Year's Day, which is a, you know kind of a religious obligation for me, even though they're going to get killed by Alabama. But uh, we're very excited about it, and, and I love you know having all this work. Everybody's saying to me, God, you're so busy, and I, I get to quote my father every now and then and say it's better than the alternative, and the timing may not be perfect, but that's okay because uh, it's still great billable hours for me. It's a great opportunity for the clients, and um, there's just a whole host of parties that some of the dispensaries and some of the organizations are all planning here for New Year's Day, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. You can get to go through all the listings and pick out the one that looks like it might be the funnest or the best, and uh, it's going to be a new world here. Well, don't feel lonely. I also work some a little bit every day here, even on Christmas Day, because uh, we have a lot of time-sensitive work on our desk, too. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time in the cannabis industry. There's so much going on. Um, are they still predicting some big shortages of flour uh, when Illinois opens up on New Year's Day? You know, I've got to tell you, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling because, you know, sometimes Illinois just can't help from being Illinois. You know, I, there's a regular medical dispensary that I go to, and for the last two months, they've had horrible, horrible shortages. You know, uh, you know very, very limited selections of flour and, uh, and concentrates and things like that. And Although nobody will really tell you that the general answer you get is is that you know the pipeline is being squeezed a little bit because everybody's trying to conserve and make sure they have enough for adult use. Where the rub comes in in Illinois is that Illinois is one of the few states with a statute that actually says that the the cultivators have to keep a reasonable amount of supply available for the medical dispensaries. And so you know of course the the, the the idea is, well, what's going to happen there? Well, one of the state legislators got on and said, well, we know there's going to be shortages, but that's happened in every state. To me, that's a little bit of a cop-out answer, right? I mean, either you have a commitment to your medical patients or you don't. If, if, we, if we're going to really believe that this is medicine and not just a wink-wink to get to adult use, then like any medicine, you need to make it available for those people who need it. So uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see you know, what happens to uh, apply here over the next month or two and uh, what the pushback might potentially be, depending on uh, depending on how all that goes down. Yes. Well, um, I went to a dispensary here in Los Angeles uh, today, and um, there was no shortage. They had oh, probably, I don't know, three or four dozen strains and plenty of uh, extracts and vape pens and gummies and edibles of all kinds. So big selection in a very tiny little store. Uh, but the prices were quite a bit higher than Colorado, not really almost twice. Um, one gram joints were $13, $14. Well, you can usually wow. get one of those under 10 in Colorado. Yes. And uh, the girl didn't quite understand my question. I always tell them I'm in the cannabis industry and leave off a business card. And I said, so are those prices um, pre-tax? And she um she said, no, they're post-tax. And I said, oh, you mean the tax is included? She goes, no, the tax is extra. And I said, well, in my world, that's pre-tax, $13. Post-tax is like 16 because the tax at the cash register all in uh, local and California, including the additional excise tax, is 35% at the cash register. So you're, 
Your $13 join is more like $16, $17. However, since it was our first visit, we got 15% off. Nice. And, uh, so anyway, very nice, plenty of selection, excellent quality. Ace were going for about, I, they had some Ace for 50, but, or excuse me, they had some Ace for 30, but mostly Ace for 50 of some very fine, a lot of it was outdoor California, but it was really pretty. That's beautiful stuff. I, I have another story about Los Angeles, too. Yeah. I had a meeting at Starbucks today with one of my L.A. clients, and he just got awarded some licenses. Uh, he was awarded a um, cultivation, uh, production, and a delivery license. Wow. And delivery is a pretty good deal in California because oh, yeah. then you can just buy and sell. He said, you know, he'll go out to farms you know, buy 100 pounds and then place them at dispensaries in Southern California. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is I know they have a social justice program in Illinois. They have one here in Los Angeles, too. And he feels like he was lucky to get his licenses. He feels like his uh, prior felony conviction got him across the finish line. Isn't that funny? Jim, I got to tell you that, that that's what everybody is laughing about here, right? Because in Illinois, the two ways to qualify for social equity are either one, you live in a uh, a neighborhood that was disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, or two, you yourself were a victim of the war on drugs. And that, the way that is defined is if you were not even convicted, if you were arrested for any one of the cannabis uh, crimes that are now available for expungements. So that means any misdemeanor and up to, uh, up to a class four felony as long as there's no violence involved. So people are c coming back and saying, I spent my whole life trying to get this stupid conviction off my record, and now it's going to be my golden ticket. Ain't life strange, huh? It is. It, 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 you know, it goes from being a, a you know a, a scarlet letter to a badge of honor, you know, just like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very very interesting to see, and uh, you know, and watch how everybody kind of scrambles around to try to fill in those uh, those gaps and everything like that. But you know, what you said before about the thirty five percent excise taxes is really fascinating to me because California has had a lot of problems with their adult use. Their black market is thriving and everything I've read suggests it's because they slapped such a huge excise tax on top of it that they, they basically priced the legal market right out of the market. Yeah, that's interesting. You should, you should say that. Um, I had a conversation with a gentleman in San Francisco a month or so ago when I was up there and uh, I was telling him that our company Bridge West has kind of shied away from you know, clients in the California market because it is so much still black market. And he said, yeah, yeah, he goes, but, you know, figure this, you know, we're, you know, nine, $10 billion total market. And, you know, right now it's 3 billion is um, legal and 6 billion is black market. He goes, over the next five years, that's going to reverse. And in five years, it'll be six or 7 billion legal market. And we'll beat the black market down to three billion. So that's a nine billion dollar shift in the market that um, I think my company uh, would be very excited to be part of. For sure. Oh yeah, listen, that'll be wonderful for all of us, right? It's uh, if they can make that shift over and really put it into a situation where the legal market is is really thriving. And you know, I don't have anything against the black market; it took care of all of us for years. Um, but uh, you know, at some point, if we're going to do this the right way. You know, uh, everybody needs to be incentivized to, to shop at the dispensaries and, uh, you know, to buy it that way. And, and this actually, Jim, leads into a, another really good point that you and I have been following all along, and that's the vaping crisis, right? Because what, what you and I have been saying all along is this is probably a bad batch. There's, a, you know, it, it's, not, uh, it's 
not uh, formal. It didn't come through the uh, the dispensaries. It was all black market. And, and now they've, they've pretty much come out and confirmed that it was the vitamin E acetate uh, that was used to liquefy the uh, THC oil and to keep it from clogging up uh, that they think has now been, is they're pinpointing that as the cause of all of these vaping-related illnesses. Um, and uh, well, what did we learn from that? Number one, it wasn't the THC, like everybody wanted to say at first. And that number two, if you buy legally through products that have been tested and, you know, inspected and all of that, you're much better off than if you go out to the black market and, and buy. And hopefully that kind of situation will be another reason to channel people to go into the, uh, into the regular market than to continue to use their uh, black market connections. Right, right. Well, I'm going to hear a little background noise because I'm out of the car now and uh, headed for the Shakedown Street outside the forum i'm looking right at the new football stadium that's being built oh nice that's that's supposed to be beautiful out there that new football stadium yes i'll send in a picture please so how's the crowd out there you get a lot of people it looks like they're just starting to get assembled um i'll know in a few minutes as we head over there excellent excellent well you know as anybody who's ever been to a uh a grateful dead show knows there's a, a right way and a wrong way to go to the show um, that's just my own personal opinion, of course. But the wrong way is when you go running in right at the last minute and you can barely get to your seat in enough time. The right way is when you get out there two hours early and you get to walk around and you get to walk through Shakedown Street and the mall and, and you know, see all of the like-minded people out there. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, that's, where, that's where you meet people, where you see things, where you learn things. It's, uh, it's a wonderful experience of uh, group community coming together. Yes, we've got a couple hours here before we go in. So we'll be able to check out all the vending and the people and the fun. You know, and, and I have to tell you, it, it's, it's like anything else. You can see the dead anywhere, and I have seen them everywhere. But there's really something special about seeing them in California. It's kind of like you just sense their home. This is their environment. These are their people. This is the place to be. It's like this is, you know, it's, not, it's, it's nothing new in California. It's just another day going to see the Grateful Dead. Whereas, you know, they come into some cities in the Midwest and the newspapers, you know, Banner had Grateful Dead coming to town and everybody, you know, hey, California is the way to do it, man. I'm, I'm a big, uh, big fan of uh, California Grateful Dead shows. Yes, me too. I've seen many shows here, including New Year's shows in San Francisco. And way back in 1980, I saw them at the S Festival with Fleetwood Mac and Jackson Brown and Jimmy Buffett. It was way out in the desert out east of L.A. Trying to think of the town, but that was a... You know, the dead, do you remember, do you remember the dead? They not only played at that festival, they played at like eight o'clock in the morning. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was like early morning, broad daylight. That was a kick. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily the time you'd want to see them, but you know, look, it's all part of the festival. You catch them when you catch them. Speaking of New Year's shows, uh, the other thing you and I have been talking about is, uh, that our other favorite jam band, Fish, is getting ready on Saturday night to launch into their traditional uh, four-night New Year's run at Madison Square Garden in New York, based on their last tour, which uh, more or less was a recreation of the Island Tour from the late 1990s, going to uh, Providence and uh, Long Island, NASA. I heard great things about the shows. Trey is killing it. Uh, they played eight nights, I think, and didn't repeat a song once. That's that's the kind of thing you like when you go to see a jam band, right? You're going to see variety. You're going to see everything. And listen, 
believe me, if I if I wasn't up to my eyeballs and applications, I think I'd either be in California seeing the dead or in New York seeing fish. Yeah, a lot of good shows coming up. That reminds me, I just checked with my sons who are big fish fans, and I guess there's you know there's a um, a controversy between Billy Joel and Fish on who's had the most shows at Madison Square Garden. And my sons tell me Billy Joel still has the lead on that. Yes, and um, don't forget when they did the uh, Baker's Dozen shows a couple of years ago, that story came out uh, that Fish was going to be challenging Billy Joel's record. Apparently he plays a bunch of shows there every year himself. Um, But Billy Joel's quote at the time in response to that was, oh, Fish, they're just a cover band. And so in response to that, Fish went out and played 13 shows at Madison Square Garden and never repeated a song. And then, like we said, they just did it on this last tour, um, which just goes to show, I think, that, you know, not only are they maturing as a band, but as they, you know, consistently come out with more and more material, uh, you know, it just expands their repertoire that much more and, and gives them the flexibility to, to be able to play all those shows and, and not have to uh, double dip. I listened to the Met show in Philadelphia that uh, was only four or 5,000 people, the smallest shows Fish has done in a long time. And they really are playing, playing really well. Yep, yep. It, it, they're, they're playing great. My son is going to be out in New York with his crew and uh, his fiance. They're all excited to get out there and, and to see this. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy for him because I have to tell you, Jim, I'm sure you were probably the same way. In the early, 19, early to mid-1980s, uh, New Year's would roll around. And uh, where else would you want to be except at a Grateful Dead show? It, it was never a very difficult decision for me. You know, the New Year's Eve tends to typically be, you know, overrated and we all wind up somewhere drinking champagne and, you know, doing whatever. But to be, you know, at a dead show all night and then as you roll into the new year, they're cranking into a good sugar magnolia or whatever they're playing that night. That's 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 pretty much it in my mind. That's that's where you want to be. Yeah. But Shakedown Street looks great. I'll send some pictures in. It's a it's a good, long and big Shakedown Street. Uh, lots of bending going on, hemp hats and clothing and all kinds of Grateful Dead paraphernalia. Check out those hemp hats because uh, a few years ago, the dead were selling Terrapin Station hemp hats. And when they showed up, the tag on the inside of the hat said, 100% pure hemp, do not smoke this hat. And to me, that was as funny as you get. I'll look forward to uh, doing this again tomorrow, doing a bit of a review of the show. Very nice uh, talking to you, Larry. Um, Gary, I'll let you sign us out. Jim, great to hear from you today. Uh, enjoy your show out there. We'll all be very anxious to hear how it goes. And to all of our listeners, uh, nice talking to all of you. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, speaking again to you soon. Thanks and have a good day. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. 
If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.